Okay, so everybody, I have this book called Why Do I Do That? Why not? Why not buy the book? Go give it a read yourself. It's very interesting. It's not a heavy textbook. It's it's written for the average Joe yep. and Jane. Okay. <laughs> um, the average Joan. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should just change it to Joan. The we don't need John Joan. or Jane. I Joe? think that's a good idea. Okay. The, the average, average Joan. Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less cynical and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Macy. Welcome to episode number 39. And and the last time we did this, it was episode 24. Do you believe it? Oh, last time we did this topic. Yeah. yeah. 24. Isn't that, weeks isn't ago? that crazy? Wow, that is crazy. So it seems like just yesterday, but that was a while ago. It feels like longer than 12 weeks ago mm-hmm. for me. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. Um, well, time moves both ways. Time does move both ways. Okay, so the topic, if you don't know what our 24th episode was. Um, I'm going to do like a um, uh, page turning from my book sounds tonight instead of a oh, drum Because I have a book on defense. Oh, well, I'm not saying the, the thing yet. Have so as we're leading up to that? the um, Have you been thinking about leading up to that? No. Oh. no. <laughs> Here I go. Uh, the title... Defense mechanisms. Um, we're talking about defense mechanisms, and we also talk about the Enneagram on this podcast. And um, there is a podcast called the Sleeping at Last Podcast. Yes. And a guy, what's his name again? Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill is writing songs. Is that his name? It is. It is his name, I think. Um, He's sleeping at last. Writing a song per Enneagram, and. I don't want to take too long on this, but he has these he has these little what does he call them like signatures, little things he puts in there. Oh, the sounds. what does he call them? Fingerprints. 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 Each song has a fingerprint from a, another number. So the fives sent in sounds that represented fives, and several of them sent in the sound of pages flipping in a book. That's, That's why what's I an that. exciting sound. Yeah. It's like <laughs> a drum roll, but for Enneagram fives. A soothing, fives. calm. <laughs> Uh, interesting drum roll. Yeah. Oh, defense mechanisms, Defense mechanisms, We're talking about defense mechanisms tonight. We all have them. Yeah. You can't pretend that you don't. It's a part of your ego development. Oh, yes. I mean, let's just clarify that. Let's make sure everybody knows. Hmm. We all have them. We all have them. There's nobody listening to this. It's not appropriate. (laughs) It's it's inappropriate for you to be listening to this thinking you don't have a defense mechanism. Yep. Nobody's above this. Literally nobody. Nobody. Facts. The biggest thing about it is you don't even know it yourself. You yes. have no idea. You don't it's know it. So, in so your if you're sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, I've got a few. Um, Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. no. And, and you got we, a lot. We think about this, <laughs> and I still don't quite know mine. Yeah. I mean, we're and, starting to scratch the surface. And so that's why it's fun that we've done one episode on defense mechanisms where we talked about different defense mechanisms and kind of introduced it. We each kind of studied one. Uh, mm-hmm. I did reaction formation. You did splitting, splitting mm-hmm. which was super interesting. And I've thought about them since and reflected on them. But we're going to talk about two more tonight and keep talking about defense mechanisms. This is the thing. 
we have this book. We have a book. I'm I'm going to take a minute Scott and assume I have a book <laughs> that you. If you're listening, you didn't listen to the first one, but we did a first one. This is part two. Maybe maybe you want to go back and listen to the first one. Yeah. Um, but I have a book called "Why Do I Do That? Why Do I Do That?" And the the implication is perhaps you as a human are sitting out there wondering why you do certain things. And I have friends like that, and Without I do even that. Realizing I don't want to say I I just have friends. I do that certain patterns and habits in my um, relationships where I'm, where I sort, sort of say, well, I'm not going to let that happen again. Mm-hmm. And then it happens again. Then it's ha- like, why do I do happens that? happens again like the next day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why do I do that? And so it's about, it's all about defense mechanisms. What I want to say about the book is I read this about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I'm revisiting it for these episodes. I've got things underlined in here. I, I, you can't just read a book and have it mastered, especially Not something like this. All. So it, I've, I've kind of been walking around in the world, honestly, being like, I read a book on defense mechanisms. I read, why do I do that? Let me tell you about some def- defense mechanisms. And I'm acting like I know. And now that I've been revisiting this, I'm realizing one read, two, three reads isn't enough. Well, I think it's also, this is where I think the Enneagram pairs nicely with something like studying defense mechanisms, mm-hmm. because you can read about defense mechanisms all you want, but until you are trying to be conscious of them and developing practices of awareness where you're going to catch yourself in your defense mechanisms, you're not really going, it's not going to be helpful information. Yes. Like the information almost has to be brought to practice for it to become really helpful and for you to really understand it. So we're going to well scratch said. the surface on defense mechanisms in hopes that the knowledge of them would help you to build awareness of yourself and your and act consciously instead of in your unconscious defense mechanisms. Uh, you always say it so well. You said that very well. Just some thoughts. <laughs> but the thing is... We're trying to add some value to your lives, everybody. And we're also trying to have conversations that interest us. Right. And as studiers of the Enneagram, it's, it's really fun to look into these deeply and see it's like more information in a way to, to become aware. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so fun. It's fun. It's also <laughs> challenging. It's, We're going to be called out. It's fun. You, you know, we've said this. If you don't know that we talk about the Enneagram yet on this <laughs> podcast, then that's weird. <laughs> or maybe it's your first time listening. And just so you know, we talk about something called the Enneagram, but, um, uh, four wing five, Macy Mooney. That's me sitting before me. Five wing four, Scott. Some very some similarities. Some similarities. Some existential folks well, right here. Now we listen to a lot of Enneagram podcasts, and one of the things that I notice, and I notice this in life too, especially when you start talking about defense mechanisms, and it and it it shows that I have a mental and emotional block, mm-hmm. and we'll probably get to this at some point mm-hmm. in in more detail. But <laughs> what I want to say is I am the odd man person out sometimes because talking about these types of things feels very exciting and natural to me. Right. Whereas most people get really nervous and... Defensive. Defensive even. <laughs> try to change the subject. And this is, this is what's going on in a lot of parties and stuff. It's, it's like, it's easier. I, 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 this is my opinion. <laughs> I... I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying this is my observation. It's easier to talk about sports or movies even. I won't just call out sports. Shows, light surface talk. 
I would prefer to go right in cold turkey to a party and just start talking about defense mechanisms. I agree. I think <laughs> easier is an interesting word. I think it would be easier, easier for enjoyable. me yeah. to talk about this kind of thing and harder for other people. Like yeah. small talk and talking about sports would be hard for me. That oh, is a stressful okay. situation. Good point. Good point. So just this is right in our wheelhouse of interest. I, I, I just think I think it's a four wing five, five wing four thing to want to go deep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't scare me i mean there's probably a limit to that it's not like i can just talk all day about my dark side it kind of scares me i mean it's we're it's like in some sense when you're reading about something that you do and then you're able to see yourself in that and it's not necessarily a positive thing it can get a little scary but i don't know it's scarier me thinking that i'm doing all these things without even knowing about it there's sort of there's sort of a sadistic side to me yeah. Probably, literally, whatever that word means, sadistic. Mm-hmm. When that's probably repressed. Yeah, I know. I know. No, it's <laughs> yeah, maybe. But like, I'm telling when I when I when I feel like I'm making headway, talking to somebody about a potential defense mechanism, or helping them come to a realization mm. that might be painful. Mm. But I'm so close, I can get probably extra aggressive and because you want cruel. them, you want them to like see themselves. Almost. Yeah, and I and I also take a lot of joy in the realization and I start to become insensitive to the pain it's causing because I'm so excited about the realization. Interesting. <laughs> That's an interesting thought. And, and this is what I was saying about listening to podcasts about the Enneagram. I'll hear this thing a lot where somebody will go on somebody like Ian Morgan Cron's podcast yeah, or something like that. And he's a therapist and he's talking to these people about the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell they'll, they'll start to like dig into sort of the, the less, um, flattering elements of a number and somebody will start to get nervous and be like, Oh, I feel like I'm in therapy here. Oh, whoa, oh, I can't believe we're talking about this. And I'm like, why, 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 are, why would you not talk about it? This is interesting. Right. This is like, people this get is so the, nervous. The juicy though. stuff. Yeah. This is the good stuff. Well, cause it requires saying something out loud requires that you have to accept it too. Yeah. So getting into those deeper parts is hard. Yeah, I just get it's very exciting. It's very me. I think it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if th- I mean that's our my experience. I'm there, addicted there's to There's been moments where I think I've <laughs> I've like jumped too enthusiastically into a conversation like that. Not, oh, not for re- sure. With friends? Yeah, not, like, not hey, realizing I know this about not you. realizing <laughs> that it's actually going to be more emotional than I anticipated for myself cuz typically I'm not. Oh. And then all of a sudden I find myself like being swallowed up by like a wave of emotion. I'm like, well, I didn't expect this. This doesn't happen to me. Hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm sad or I've been exposed. Being exposed, Being exposed. is painful. It's very painful, but I don't know. We're, we're just... Here we go. This is our... I'm trying to tell you what this episode's intro. about, oh, no. everybody. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I got so sidetracked. Okay, so on to We're just talking episode, about defense mechanisms. This is supposed to be an intro. We're going to talk about defense mechanisms. Yeah. After this, we'll do. We'll briefly explain defense mechanisms. Give a quick definition. Mm-hmm. Share a bit about it. Why um, we like talking about it? We've uh, already done quite a bit of yeah, this. We did, but it's okay. We're gonna talk more about why we <laughs> like talking about it. Um, and then I'm gonna share the defense mechanism I've been studying, Drum roll. quote unquote studying, which is projection. Projection. We've all heard projection, mm-hmm. but it's a lot more complex than just our typical understanding of, oh, you're projecting that feeling. It's big. So here we go. I'll be talking about that. Yeah. And uh, this is another thing to realize about defense mechanisms. 
there's a lot more out there than you think. Mm-hmm. Mo- I, I assume. Maybe you know more than me. Maybe maybe a PhD psychoanalyst is listening to this and be like, no, I know all about them. <laughs> but I'm assuming most don't. So did you know, according to this book I have, that thinking is a defense mechanism? Thinking. Just thinking. Just thinking. <laughs> And I'm going to specifically talk about rationalization and intellectualization. And as a five Enneagram, I think these are the ones that most resonate with me. And it, I felt really called out this week. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have, I thought that Scott was going to be talking about isolation this week. Yeah, we and so I've been reflecting on that and thinking I was heading into this thinking I was about to be really called out because I know oh, that well, I, well, I get to do that then next time because that would be really fun. Um, but then <laughs> this one, there's potential for that too. Yeah. So we'll see. Also, I don't know if we've said this, but we all use the, all these defense mechanisms, but kind of, I think we have like a f- grouping of like a few, like three or four or yeah. five that we this tend to stick to. And probably so, at any time we can use any, but we have some ones that are probably our like favorites. Yeah, exactly. Subconsciously. Subconsciously. <laughs> and we're, they're all pretty much, we're almost always repressing, which you is don't wake a defense up and mechanism. say, I'm going to go and uh, be a, utilize projection today no you know don't wake and up misinterpret and people's motives that's what i'm gonna do today you probably wake up and project <laughs> something <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um okay so you're talking about thinking mm-hmm. and then uh we got a rejuvenation got a rejuvenation so that's actually going to be coming between our two presentations oh yeah yeah whatever in the Did show you notes the i have show? it wrong okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um okay and then Maybe some concluding scott thoughts. will talk and then we'll have some concluding thoughts and uh I've got a reading for you all to end a the night. A reading. <laughs> Woo. Okay. When we come back, we'll bye. spout off about defense mechanisms. Macy's saying bye. <laughs> <laughs> We're back, everybody. We're back with a quick. I think this should be relatively quick. Defense mechanisms. Defense mechanisms. Yeah. So what should I just start they? with this definition and we'll Read take the, it from there? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So everybody, I have this book called "Why Do I Do That? Why not? Why not buy the book? Go give it a read yourself. It's very interesting. It's not a heavy textbook. It's it's written for the average Joe. Yep. And Jane. Okay. <laughs> um, the average Joan. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should just change it to Joan. The we don't need John Jones. or Jane. I Joe? think that's a good idea. Okay. The, the average, average Joan. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I'm going to read. I'll read the definition. Then I want to read a few other little snippets. But okay. let's also maybe, if you have a reaction, let me know. Um, psychological defense ne- mechanisms. Our defense mechanism. Oh, gosh. Let me start <laughs> over. Our defense mechanisms are invisible methods by which we exclude unacceptable thoughts and feelings from awareness. Okay, let me say it again. Our defense mechanisms are invisible methods by which we exclude unacceptable thoughts and feelings from our awareness. I already have a little thought. Okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, Exclude unacceptable thoughts and feelings. This is the key. This is a hundred. I was thinking that. I was like, that's that's (laughs) it. What we what we consider to be unacceptable yes. or society considers to be unacceptable or because of society, we consider to be unacceptable. Yes, yeah, so it's in quotes. Mm-hmm. These aren't 
literal, uh, moral, ethical, unacceptable feeling. Somehow, again, probably in our subconscious. It's not something we wake up and write down on a whiteboard in the morning. Mm-mm, it's just happening all behind. Yeah. We think we have, there are certain feelings that we think are unacceptable. So call that all the things. Call it lust. Anger. Can't fear. feel excitement. Too much excitement. Yeah. And so, listen, here it comes again, everybody. Invisible methods by which we exclude unacceptable thoughts and feelings from awareness. And then, and then we from do awareness. strange We exclude them from awareness. So yeah. we literally aren't even, even aware. aware that they're happening. Yeah. Oh, it's very annoying. All this is happening. <laughs> now, and honestly, I do have some therapist friends. I go to therapy, and I do think, and I have in a five-way tried to get my head around like on the other side of therapy, which I know is impossible. I know that's impossible, but I think there was something in the beginning stages where I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to figure this out. But, you know, why, why would I even need to go to therapy? I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And I'm not going to explain that right now. But um, We're big supporters th- of therapy. I, I, yeah. I think a therapist would say, and some of my therapist friends would say, um, no matter how smart you are, or how many books on defense mechanisms you read, what happens in therapy, one of the things that happens is not this idea, and this this has taken me some time to figure out too, not this idea that um, you tell your therapist your problems and because they're so smart, they diagnose you and tell you what's going on and you go home. Mm-hmm. It's through creating a space where you feel comfortable to slowly start to be yourself mm-hmm. that you stumble upon some awareness. Mm. It's not like you go in thinking, I'm, today I'm going to be honest, I've been keeping it back from my therapist and myself. Yeah. You don't even know, that's the point. And it's through honest exploration that all of a sudden something comes out that you never realized was there. And that's where the realizations start to happen. And Mm. a good therapist, it seems, is good at creating the space. And I don't even think one of my um, misunderstandings, I think, I don't even, I I wouldn't even think of it as like uh, expertly guiding you to the realization because they Mm. don't even know. Mm -mm. That's the thing. I think it's giving you permission to like hold the unacceptable thoughts almost. Mm-hmm. If you think about it in terms of that definition, that yes. the therapist's role could be to give you a space and through some ponderings and some permission giving saying, okay, here's a place where you can think those unacceptable things and go back and re mm-hmm. retell and re-experience things that allows you to see yourself outside of yourself, which builds more awareness, I think. Yeah, what was the thing that we talked about with our Ted Klontz interview, the 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 the... The host? What is it? The host. The welcoming oh, the feelings in. It was like a poem. It was a courtroom. No, oh, no, no. That was the that was the metaphor, but there oh. was like a poem. Oh, home. I home. know. Yeah, yeah. Or the house guest. The I think house I know. Guest. Yeah, that would I be, think we posted it in our show notes. We posted it. It's yeah. a very beautiful poem. But it is just my making my a therapist space on my home. first day with her, my like second therapist, uh, <laughs> gave me that poem and it meant a lot. So wow. we'll post it in our show notes again. <laughs> yeah, we, we should. Yeah, I mean, there's the metaphor of, of just welcoming in the emotions and mm-hmm. the thoughts and the feelings. Yeah. And I've also heard from a, another person I like to listen to. I, I think this came up last time, Peter Rollins. I bring mm-hmm. up Peter Rollins a lot, everybody. Mm-hmm. But saying something along the lines of, um, and even if I've said this in the podcast, I guess it's worth saying before. Um, he, he talks about this idea of uh, making love. And that a chaperone in the early days was how one how people made oh, love yeah. because the prohibition made the the relationship seem more loaded, hmm. and it's just once you see something like that, hmm. it makes so much sense in the in the sense of like let's just take it to Christianity. 
so many prohibitions are are making the things that are being prohibited seem way more important than they are. Hmm. And so they, they start to hold so much power. Yeah. Call that, you know, a relationship with somebody that's not your wife or alcohol or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, and then it takes hold of you. Yeah. Rather which, than just saying, yeah, you know, he, so one of, so, so I'll, uh, he says, um, and he gives an example of somebody in therapy and this woman is saying uh, every week she's cheating on her husband with multiple men. Mm-hmm. And she just keeps saying, I feel so guilty. And she keeps saying this phrase, what will people think? What will people think? Hmm. And hmm. so he's realizing in therapy with this woman that the what will people think is giving this these affairs a real deep energy for her. Oh, yeah. You know, because are, it's... are they going to think I'm cool? Are they going to think I'm bad? Are they going to, wow, what is this? Who am I? And he gets her to see that there really is no prohibition. She can she can have those affairs if she wants. Yeah, and, and that takes away a lot yeah, of Yeah, all of a sudden she doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Wait, I can do that and it's not bad? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, well, and it's interesting to think about how these defense mechanisms, they are a natural thing and we do them, but so much of them are caused by an unacceptance of so many human emotions that we think at such a young age and surrounded by cultures and societies. And I think we just naturally do it because sometimes anger is unpleasant or sadness is unpleasant. So we just suppress and repress those things. Um, What are we doing? What are we doing? We're, we're, we're harming our relationships with these things. We really are. It's really weird. Or, or they were passed down to us who told us the emotions were unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah, and like it's it's really fascinating to me too of what some people decide are unacceptable emotions because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's unacceptable to me may be acceptable to another person. Like I know for me sometimes I think true happiness is an unacceptable thing. It's a very scary emotion. Ooh, it's I, selfish. I, it's, it's indulgent. It's so many things, and so Unfair. I will. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I know that I'll suppress happiness. Ooh. You know. It's that's a unique one for <laughs> for a lot of people. I don't I don't relate to that. <laughs> that's there's, where there's I realize, people out there I'm wing, sure. And sometimes I think maybe I'm a four, and then you say something like that, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, happiness. for sure. I think I'm almost always trying to keep a, a meter of not having to. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, too happy. I I'm not Macy anymore. <laughs> if I'm happy, fully fulfilled. <laughs> We're working yeah. through it. And then it's unacceptable emotions, but just in general, again, to clarify, based on my understanding so far, is just uncomfortable emotions. Mm-hmm. So whether it's something we don't want to think about uh, ourselves, mm-hmm. something where we have to confront about ourselves. We've got all sorts. We've got like a big arsenal of defense mechanisms. Like an arsenal, mm-hmm. just so that we don't have to feel that to its full degree. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. You were mean to you your best friend today. You can't avoid no. the... This is something I was reading. You can't really like avoid the energy of what was felt. Mm-hmm. So it has to go somewhere. And it kind of... These defense mechanisms are like the ways out um, to Ooh. divert it from yourself. And in projection, you will see that it pings to other people. <laughs> oh, boy. Man. It's, uh, it's a little overwhelming to think about. I'm getting a little overwhelmed. It is kind of overwhelming. Yeah. All, the, um, all the big... All the... Uh, all the Big things we're containing inside ourselves. It sometimes feels, and this is oh, probably no. A Course in Miracles oh, no. happening oh, yeah. inside of me, <laughs> but it's like we are living in an alter, alternate <laughs> universe because of our perceptions. Ah, yes. Like these defense mechanisms have created full, like it's 
they shape our full perception of the world. And so we're not really seeing the world as it is because we're seeing it through all these defense mechanisms. You know, honestly, though, it might sound like you're talking crazy, but you're not, first of all. And (laughs) second of all, these freaking defense mechanisms are the crazy thing because what you're saying is true. Like, it's giving us a crazy, untrue, false sense of reality. Mm -hmm. We're walking around... With this perception, and it's just not true. It's a, a whole entirely different thing is happening. And so we we're reacting to our perception yeah. instead of reacting to what is. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe the biggest thing is that what is, one, one of many things you could say about what is, is that you're bumping into a bunch of other people's false perceptions. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Somebody just said, you're an idiot. Oh, it's like, wait, wait. Hey, that person doesn't know. What's yeah. an idiot, first of all? And then that person has some sort of history that, that led to this moment where they're calling you. Is it an objective fact? Absolutely not. And you're going to get emotional about that and then like go yell at somebody else because you just got called an idiot by this other person who doesn't even know who's living in their own little movie. Yeah, and it's all like, because one person said you're an idiot and what does that, that doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. Oh, it holds oh, no meaning. Wow. Oh, God. We can go far with this. Oh, but I think you you should just say a little... Uh, a little something about A Course in Miracles because you just kind of said it as an aside. You might as well A Course in Miracles. (laughs) I have been embarking on the journey of A Course in Miracles. People out there may be wondering what that is. It's a book. It's a book. It's a course. It's a course. I'm still not quite sure what it is. Um, It's kind of like a spiritual text. It's pseudo-Christian, kind of new agey. It's really about consciousness and like... It's founded on this idea of universal love, and I'm really digging oh, it. Oh, universal love. That sounds too I risky. Know. Don't do it. You're, you're going down a rabbit hole. Uh, um, slippery slope. Universal love. Yeah, it's really Don't interesting. It. It's like an intense study into trying to awaken to the reality that the world is always like you're a part of the universe and... It's new age. It's oh 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 oh. <laughs> it's really hard for me to describe it because I'm just such a young student in it. But I, uh, it's breaking me. It's breaking down my ways of seeing the world already. So and it gives you some daily exercises. Daily exercise every day. There's like a lesson and a practice, and it's very short, but it's really profound. Um, so. A Course in Miracles. I will be ending the night with a short, short blessing that's just a reading from it. Um, Yeah. And and don't even worry about where it came from. Just just think about if you like it or not and if it's useful. Yeah. Oh, I can't hear this. I can't hear it. It's A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles is, I believe, one of the many ways towards understanding the the great voice. Mm, Okay. That's that's a way that A Course in Miracles will put it. I just want to say, like, there's a part of a... There's part of like this Christian stream that I grew up in more than you, obviously. Yeah. That that was so suspicious of stuff that somehow like your faith or your God or your religion could not make space for a thought from another. It had to be all tight and neat. Oh, was it? Yep. Is that a Christian author? Is that Christian music? No, I can't listen to it. I can't. It's so, probably splitting. Yeah, probably. Honestly, yeah. But like. <laughs> We can't handle it. What ambiguity. does that say about like the security of your own sense of rootedness in your own faith? Like I mm. can handle hearing somebody else's thoughts and learn from that. Why yeah. not? Why not? I can learn from other religions and still be my religion. Yeah. It's really interesting because I kind of grew up Christian and really adapted Christianity and 
The Bible has always been my holy text. But this, A Course in Miracles, feels like a an interesting new kind of holy text. It's a spiritual text, at least. Spiritual text. Yeah. So, rich. So, you will probably hear me dropping it in future podcasts. <laughs> a Course in Miracles. And it really relates to defense mechanisms because so much of it is based on this idea that we're living in a dream world. We're not seeing the world as is, mm. which is exactly what defense mechanisms are explaining. So... Uh, uh, Macy has been watching Twin Peaks. Yes. And we keep saying this from A Course in Miracles, living in a dream world. There is a big... I, I would guess out of all the people listening to this podcast right now, three people, tops, may know what I'm talking about when I say this, but there's a big culminating scene where Dale Cooper's face just like is superimposed over a big scene and he says in a big, deep voice, we are living in a dream. <laughs> it's a very David Lynch thing. But every time you say we're living in a dream world, I'm like, That's oh, all you think we're about. living in a dream, Twin Peaks. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, we are, though. Go find that scene, everybody. It's pretty interesting. Go watch Twin Peaks The Return okay. if you want to be really freaked out. <laughs> okay. Is I this, guess that's our definition. I, I read our, our definition. <laughs> it's like a, a double, <laughs> double intro. Yeah, a double intro, some weird thoughts. I, I, We're I out do, there. I, I do want to say it's. I've said this already, but it's a two part. It's a two pronged thing. This this is something we would just sit around casually talking about. Mm-hmm. So we're doing that. Mm-hmm. But also, I do think this is us trying to add some value. Last week we talked about social media. That was just a light hearted conversation. This I do think it added value. It made me okay. convicted. Okay, I hope it adds some value. <laughs> I guess I guess sitting and enjoying a conversation is added value. But like maybe maybe this, this is our attempt. Our our the heart behind this is to add a little value. <laughs> to, yeah. To share with you some things we're learning. <laughs> yeah, I I think yeah, that's it. So when we come back, um, Macy is going to talk about projection. projection. Get yep. excited everybody. when we come back. back everybody we're back and And macy seems to be pretty excited about talking about projection i'm here to teach y'all and scott a little bit about projection yes um so projection is a defense mechanism did you know that freud had like an order in which he because freud is the kind of the originator of defense mechanisms out there and he ordered defense mechanisms in uh kind of the way that they develop almost Mm. And it w- goes regression, Whoa. which almost all defense mechanisms begin with regression. Oh. Um, okay, I mean, repression. Back. Repression. Oh, okay. Gosh, regression, regression was like becoming childlike. Yeah. <laughs> no, repression. Re- repression. Oh, um, oh, oh, and oh. then the next one is introjection. Oh. Which we've a talked a little thing. bit about, and I am guilty of introjection. Um, and it's when you kind of swallow someone else's feelings, emotions, experiences. And then the third one is projection. Well, but just say swallow and then and then Oh, you swallow and then own. own as your own. Exactly. So if if you are feeling sad about something, I would then take your sadness, think 
like turn it inside myself and experience it what for myself and think, thing. think that I am sad. I'm what like, I've now stolen it almost from oh, you. Oh, and I've seen you do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very disorienting. I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait. How, how did you become sad? <laughs> oh no, that's true. Um, okay. So the next one is the opposite, mm. which is projection, which is where you essentially, repress what you are feeling and instead of accepting it for yourself you then like throw it on to someone else or a situation and project onto it and you experience it outside of yourself in the other person and it's as if you like truly believe that the other person is Talk what, about your dream repression. world. I know, I and know. And it's not even true. You I think know. it's true. So here's a few like very like definitions because, you know, that was my little two cents. Psychological pro- projection is a defense mechanism in which the human ego defends itself against unconscious impulses or qualities, both positive and negative, mm. by denying their existence in themselves while attributing them to others. Mm. Um, okay, and then I have... Think about how... I, I wouldn't say harmful necessarily, but just think about how problematic that is. Yeah. Denying the awareness of it in yourself mm-hmm. and assuming of it of others. It's, oh, it's and you're going around doing this? Crazy. Yeah. It's actually crazy when you really think about it. Because we've heard of projection of like someone coming home bad mad from work and then they mm-hmm. come home and they like project their anger on other people. But an example I was reading about and it's it's interesting when you think about what's happening in your mind is like you come home and your partner hasn't like was supposed to or you were supposed to bring home like the dry cleaner or whatever. And your yeah. partner's like, hey, did you bring it home? And you're like, oh, no, I forgot. And then you instead of like owning it, you would throw it onto them and be like, well, you were supposed to do that and blah, blah, oh, blah. And like and you're going to handle it. And you just like you believe it to be true though yeah. that they were like that they were supposed to and you deny that own oh, feeling in yourself yeah. like you literally are projecting it and believing it to be true uh, it's I, really I fascinating i think oftentimes if if i sometimes experience it or i notice it in other people mm-hmm. it's this projection of motives so mm-hmm. if you're like if you're a controlling person and somebody says hey can you go do this uh errand for me and you're like mm-hmm. don't don't you're always trying to control me and it's like Wait, no, no, no. I'm not like you. You try to control people. Hmm. I'm literally hmm. just asking you to do an errand. And you yeah. don't even have to if you don't want to. And it's it's <laughs> so fascinating because it's most often the things that they find to be unacceptable. Oh. And so then it's seen outside of themselves. And then they will say, oh, that's so wrong. When it's really themselves that's feeling it. Instead of being able to critique their own feelings or at least accept them, they ha- it has to be outside. Oh, it's really messed up. Oh, I, I've seen it. <laughs> I, there's this thing in the Christian community. Probably this is something that gets, especially in youth ministry, mm-hmm. it, where, where uh, I don't know. Um, some, somebody will say they're making it all about them, hmm. you know, and it's like, wait, a teenager just being a teenager. Right, right. Um. Why, why are we automatically just assuming they're trying to make everything all about them and be the center? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe that's what you're doing. <laughs> it's, it's almost like every time, maybe a practice for like checking yourself on projection is whenever you're making like a, a statement or a thought about someone, yeah. like first check yourself, like think that towards yourself almost. Yeah. 
I wonder how often it's maybe yourself. Because I think that's, this is the wild part that we keep saying is people who are projecting don't know they're doing it. Yeah, none of these defense mechanisms we know. So, so they believe that the per like if they're angry about something and they they then project anger into the person they're with, they literally believe that person is angry with them because they're angry with themselves. <sighs> they cannot see that. It's very mind-boggling. <laughs> um, but but maybe that's I don't again, oh, we say it every time everybody. Not professionals. I won't give a huge speech about that, but we're not. So Kay. We're not therapists telling you or some sort of PhD, (laughs) but it seems as we're just sitting here in the room talking, one of the antidotes to that, a subtle but important antidote would just be to ask. Yeah. Are you mad at me right now? No? Oh, I thought you were mad at me. You know, you seem mad. You know, (laughs) just asking a question, checking in, not assuming you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you trying to make this all about yourself? (laughs) No. Oh. oh, okay. <laughs> well, then accepting that person. Because yeah. I feel like if you're really in it, then you could be like, well, it seems like you're mad. And like, it's almost... So one thing that I've been a little bit... That projection leads towards like suspicion. Projection uh, yes. and suspicion are kind of linked. Yes. In the I sense. So even if you are saying like, oh, I'm not mad at you. Well, you're already in that world where you're experiencing it. So it's hard because you yourself are still mad. Like... Even if someone said, no, I'm not mad, you would probably still be projecting that feeling. Oh, <laughs> oh, how, and you got to get in touch with that feeling. Like you, it, it requires, yeah, getting in touch with yourself. Um, the book, what is it called? Why, Why do I do that? Why do I do that? Um, began their kind of explanation mm-hmm. of projection with talking about kind of infants mm-hmm. and a primal um, kind of projecting of their own needs. And it explained how when like babies are young, they don't really like, they don't have words to express and they're like super upset and they hmm. project that basically because it's like they throw, they used, he used the word of like, Oh gosh, what was it? Like it has to evacuate basically. Right. Right. You that have this experience and it has to be like thrown off of you. Yeah. And that's kind of our earliest form of projection. Hmm. Side note, I was reading this on my phone as I'm at work and all the children are napping. Are you watching All the children are napping. And as I'm reading about this, one child wakes up screaming and Mm. would not be quiet for like 45 minutes and was so, so, so upset. It was so frustrating. But it was, I was literally reading this chapter about it and it was like this. Like, this is kind of us in our raw form. We don't know what to do with it. So we have to to throw it out there. It has Ah! to get out. And then it gets, like, put onto someone else. Because now I'm feeling crazy. Because this kid's screaming, and I don't know what to do, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's, like, Mm -hmm. it was very wild. Wow. Um, And that's how they describe, like, a primal understanding of projection. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, and I was, like, it's an inertia thing. You, like, have this feeling, and it's instead of, like, it has to be going somewhere else mm. um, and it's moved on to other people. Mm. Um, oh, I know it's pretty. It's, see, it, we, we, this is the thing people will say, I know enough about something to be dangerous. That's a phrase. Mm-hmm. And you could probably make the case that that's happening right here on this podcast right now. But what's, what I'm even hearing is like just how deficient our casual pop understanding of, projection is mm-hmm. we walk around saying all the time well that's projection it's like mm-hmm. wait Mm-mm. 
We're, you and I even now I haven't even studied it or just scratching the surface. It's complicated. Just scratching. It's really complicated because you could project I'm um, like a whole persona in a way. Um, one thing that's just like an example of this is described as if you don't like think being emotional is acceptable, mm-hmm. you could in another person and it's projection is one of the uh, defense mechanisms that I think is most uh linked with basically unhealthy relationships. Yeah. Like projection is often one of the biggest defense mechanisms that's causing strain. Um, and oh. it shows up in relationships because oh. we project, if you are guilty of projection and it being like number one in your tool belt, then the person you're closest with is almost always going to be having whatever you're feeling projected onto them. And so then that person oh. becomes oh. your projections. Oh, I feel so sad for my <laughs> for my friendships for the people that are friends with me. I can't imagine and and how that gets communicated too, like how it gets communicated through your facial expressions. You can even be thinking you're controlling it, but the person that close to you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so. Oh man, I'm just thinking about my family. I, I definitely <laughs> put out a strong vibe. I, I mean, I'm be like sitting in the room, and I'm trying to be like you know, uh, unassuming mm-hmm. and not high maintenance or something, but the whole family can be like, something's going on here, with him, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, man, yeah, probably doing some projecting and assuming and some, Oh yeah. Oh, I think, Ooh. I think we're all pretty guilty of this one, but I do think fives and sixes, fives, sixes and threes are like in the books of being like, heavy users of projection. Mm, they are. Um, no. And that. I do think nines also, as I was reading about it, I was like, this seems like a nine move. Mm. Um, I think anyone's guilty of it though. I'm sure I'm really guilty of projecting at times. It does seem like a nine, a more of a nine move, but I, but, but I can see it in myself for sure. Um, Oh, I had a big thought about got, it. We got to try to, I guess, identify those emotions that we think may be unacceptable. Yeah, I think that's that the more to... I dig deep into it, it it becomes clear that the he- part of the healing from these is finding ourselves and like tapping into those inner emotions mm-hmm. and allowing them space, like allowing them air to be. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I had a thought about oh oh okay, so projection and relationships. So another kind of way that it can like over time manifest in a relationship is say you're someone who for some reason has this feeling that emotions are bad, Mm. especially like sad emotions Mm. or like crying, things like that. You could deny that in yourself and then project that identity onto your partner and be like, they're the emotional one. If they are susceptible to your kind of, projecting of that image on them they could live into that and then you create this like very unhealthy dichotomy of i'm not the emotional one they're the emotional one and every time you experience emotions it can then be filtered through projection onto that person confirming it because if you're being told all the time that you're emotional (sighs) you're going to become more emotional it's like giant shakespearean tragedy (laughs) that what you just described (laughs) oh that's so Projection bad. at work. <laughs> That's bigger than I anticipated. I, I wasn't anticipating something that big. Yeah, yeah, because it's... It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's and, and the crazy thing that you're saying is it's not even spoken. It's not like you woke up with 
let's just say a partner, a married housemate. You mm-hmm. didn't wake up and say, hey, you know what? Um, for the next few years, I'm going to convince you that you're actually the emotional one and you're crazy. Yeah, no. You do it, it just, through subtle gestures. You do it through subtle gestures. You do it through small remarks. You do it through, yeah. And it just happens with time. It hurts the person. And it's you're hurting. not even getting in touch with your own self. Yeah. Oh, oh. I'm so having big feelings about this. <laughs> I know. I was having big things about this too because I mean another common example we hear projection and I think this is really true is like children and parents. Mm-hmm. Um even I can think about I'm a teacher and I know that being a like one of the adults in the room, my energy and what I'm projecting is probably received in a certain way from mm-hmm. kids. And so if I'm feeling super negative and I'm projecting onto them, that's a big deal. Mm. Um, and parents like, Oh, parents are, yeah, we really probably try to... are, are so guilty of this and thinking of what it is to, you know, I can't like being a, a single parent, something like that. You, you project so much onto your kids without realizing it. Yes. Um, I don't know. It's just very it's a, fascinating. It's, it seems like it's heightened. Oh, the dial's turned up on that one. Yeah, because it's 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 brings so much in its wake. Mm-hmm. Because it's you this this defense mechanism to me feels like one of the more I don't I don't know if you can say toxic or scary or whatever, but this it's one feeling toxic it more toxic feels that scary. way. I thought it was kind of a silly one, but no. it's, it's feeling scary. Yeah, and as I was, like, reading about it and, like, leaning into it, it was, like, this is really scary because it it tells something about someone else. Yeah. You really do throw that identity onto someone else. Yeah. Um, And it's, like, repainting a whole new picture. It's uh, very crazy-making, too. With, I think with I, what I notice about a lot of parents, and I, I don't want to say I don't do this. I'm, I'm sure I do it sometimes. It's, it's this thing of um, saying... I know what it's like to be your age and to be a boy that's 14. It's like, mm-hmm. well, no, you don't. You don't know what it's like to be this boy and you don't know what it's like to have, have these types of friends in this type of school. And I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm some sort of, I have bad days, bad moments every day with my kids. Yeah. Today I thought I had a very, fairly decent moment with my daughter because she was doing this thing. She was coming home and she was trying to get my attention to give a little rant. And she goes, why are boys so awkward? And I was like, there is no such thing as boys. <laughs> there is a boy, and they're individual boys. There's no such thing as like a giant thing of boys that they're all the same. I was like, so every boy you know is different and has their own unique needs and their own backgrounds, and there is no boys. And there's no, some boys are awkward, some are not awkward. Some are more awkward than others, some are not, you know. No. <laughs> but it's, it's the same with this. Like, I don't know what it's like to be this particular kid. Don't project your childhood onto this kid. Hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It makes me think of like, even like taking, I don't know, my own probably experience, thinking of the ideas that our parents grew up with that are considered mm-hmm. unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is like really true for them, that these certain things are unacceptable. And so then they project those onto like your your family of yeah. like, well, then this is what's unacceptable. And you throw that onto your children then. Um, okay. It's, it, this one's interesting to think about both in do you project and then yeah. also where have you been like 
where are situations in your life where you've been the result or in the wake of projection? Because it touches everyone. All like day, we're being day. touched by this, yeah. whether we're doing it or someone's doing it to us. You're projecting on me right now. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, it was there something that came up for you this week, either with you getting in touch with maybe projections that you have or being impacted by what you assume to be other people's projections. Yeah. I was thinking like examples. Yeah. Um, this is funny cause this happened with you. The other day we went to a coffee shop and ran into friends of mine. Yeah. I remember that. You I, were acting funny. I was being so awkward. Yeah. And I don't know why. And then I, you said they're, they're and then they I, were awkward. Today. I walked out and I was like, they were being super awkward, weren't they? And then and I, like, oh, I you're like, oh, I don't know if I yeah. noticed that. And it's like in my mind, they were. And then I went back and that was a very introspective weekend. And I was thinking back to that and I was like re kind of experiencing that. And I, in my consciousness or in my ability to like go back was realizing I was being awkward. Like I was really the awkward one, but if I hadn't have really thought through it, I could continue to think, Oh no, they were the awkward yeah. one because I was feeling awkward. I didn't want to feel awkward. And do you know so why you were feeling awkward in the moment? You I were just know. in a state. I think probably just in a state of, I don't know. But your I impulse get, was to want to blame it on them. My impulse was a hundred percent. And I, I did that. I don't even know if impulse is the right word. It was what I was doing, the actively thing, doing without the, realizing The crazy it. thing is that you're highlighting here is how the projections can then really seep out and impact the perceptions of all of those around us. Because when you said that, I tend to think I'm not picking up on social cues. So when you said they're being awkward, I was like, oh, I bet they were. I missed something. <laughs> Macy knows them better than I do. I should have been paying attention more so I could have caught the awkwardness. And then we then catalog people as, yeah. oh, they're awkward. And that and moment was awkward. And, mm-hmm. and wow. it's, that's all oh. just a perception. Yikes. Yikes. Jiminy, Jiminy. Does this one feel <laughs> like it resonates with you? Yeah, it's freaking me out because I think <laughs> what, what we're saying too is that it's not going to become maybe another antidote is just to check in with the people that you care about. Like, mm. um, mm. I know, hmm. I know Louis C.K. isn't a good person to talk about these days, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like pumping up Louis C.K. I'm just saying he said something in a stand-up one, one time that really s- stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And he was just saying, um, it's not for you to say whether or not you're a jerk. It's for everybody around you. They're the ones that get to decide. You don't get to decide whether or not you're a jerk. Hmm. You have to ask. Hmm. So you can't say, I'm not a jerk. It's like, well, ask the people around you. <laughs> yeah, like, are you being experienced as a jerk? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you're probably a jerk. Hmm. Hmm. And so it's it's like, to, in terms That's of your defense mechanisms, ask people, like, do I come across as judgmental? Do I come across as whatever? And that's probably one way to expose your defense mechanisms. Yeah. Because you can't. Ask. You, you can't asking. do it. That's why I'm, that's why it needs is like someone to tell you calls yeah. out, call people <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> that's what I'm sensing as you're saying this. I'm like, I probably have these things. And I'm not aware. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it makes me sad for the people that are close to me. Um, but yeah, I guess kind of back to our beginning, I get sad that this, this work seems to be so important and it requires relationships and feedback to, so, so that this is why I can come across kind of weird. Maybe you too, to a certain extent where I'm like, having a big, fun family dinner party. Let's talk about, Let's talk about how we're hurting each other. Yes. What a great conversation. I mean, I would love it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> People are so scared of that. And they're like, change the subject. No, no, no. Why are you doing this weird thing? I'm like... Bring I'm- it on. Bring us the truth. <laughs> yeah. We're all like... 
this is truth. <laughs> like, yeah. It's interesting. Um, okay. A, f- yeah. a few more thoughts. Sure, please, please. Okay, so the next one in terms of Freud's defense mechanisms oh, okay. is denial Ooh. and projection. And oh, denial. you're going through the list. No, yeah. I'm not. But okay. I'm, this, I'm ending now. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that projection and denial are like the ultimate pairing mm. and they're often really happening. Mm. Um, projection and denial. So we deny. It's like we're in heavy denial of ourselves Ugh. and then we project. So it leads to a really skeptical person mm. who is suspicious oh, of no. all oh, no. things. That's I know. Me. And this is, Shoot. <laughs> Very skeptical. I think this really does make sense in terms of Enneagram thinking of sixes and fives. Like it's projection. You're always needing to see outside of yeah. yourself yeah. and not facing yourself and putting things out there. So then you can deal with it almost. Oh man. <sighs> oh yeah um yeah i guess if you're skeptical uh you know one thing you can think about is this idea that nobody is totally in tune with what they want nobody is totally in tune with their motives so maybe that's one of the things one including myself could be skeptical about is i think i think i think about motives a lot mm-hmm and to think that somebody would have sort of a godlike understanding of their own motives like most most people don't right, right. most people don't aren't premeditated most people don't be like aren't, aren't like i'm going to come to this situation and treat this person this way because here is why and here's what i want yeah. most people don't even know and so to think like i'm sitting there being like oh they're just trying to do this yeah we you know we pass judgment on people when they're reacting out of their oh, defenses projection it's this this defense mechanism is very complex, but it does make me, I don't know. It's, it makes me want to have empathy and like grace towards people who are projecting almost because in a way they're so unconscious of it. Mm -hmm. Like that's a scary world that you're experiencing when anytime you have an emotion and instead of actually facing it, you're seeing it outside and having to deal with that. It's a different way of like emotional labor almost. Yes. Um, Probably, and it's like you don't trust anyone because of it. That's that's it. Seems also that's the the ironic thing about all these defense mechanisms. It's probably more challenging and painful to experience it coming from outside Hmm. than it would be to deal with it yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you don't have the tools, or ooh, yeah, yeah, man. What are we gonna do, everybody? What are we gonna do about all this? (laughs) Hold it lightly. Yeah. Hold yourself with grace, but also practice trying to see it. You yeah, know? if we're inviting the emotions in, so so if you if you have maybe just c- kind of scan the horizon of your interior life, mm-hmm. and to say if if there's anything that you're scanning, and you say you say that's okay, that's an okay emotion, that's an okay emotion, that's an okay feeling, that's an okay feeling, and you, and you bump up again, well, nope, but that's not. Mm-hmm. That's it could be a red flag. I mean, I'm not looking at a book for that. I'm just that's my that is, that is an interesting thought. You know? Yeah. What's going on now? Some yeah. Now you have something to think about. What mm-hmm. was that thought? The uh, taboo things and thoughts. The taboo things and thoughts. Because honestly, it is just a thought. I mean, what you do with it, I guess, is important. Like like I guess one that's this is in my world, especially as like a married man, like a classic one. Like this came up really in. Um, pop culture recently, Mike Pence hmm. has this like Mike Pence rule. It's called, people call it the Billy Graham rule. 
where like a man which should not be out to coffee or dinner or something with a woman, you know, ridiculous. But there is sort of this taboo of like, I can't have feelings for another woman Mm. or, or another person. Mm -hmm. It's not just a woman, but like, um, in your own mind, you can be like, well, of course, you're a human. Some magical spell doesn't happen to you when you get married, where all of a sudden God has made it so you don't ha- are attracted to other women yeah. or have warm feelings towards another woman. So, so you can say in your head, I'm attracted to this person, mm-hmm. or I like this person. I have warm feelings towards them. You don't have to act on it. it doesn't mean you have to go on a date next week, <laughs> but it, but you can have you can have grace with yourself for that or not even grace acceptance. Not even grace, just like it's that's happening. This is coming across my mind. Okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's what okay. I am. That's I think I am. if there's anything that we can learn from this, it's that we're not like the thoughts that come in our brain. We're not really choosing them. Right. Somewhat. Right. We're not at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's also in some sense, what are we saying when we say, think about it? Because it's like, <laughs> Oh. How do we think? Oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. We broke it. We broke the podcast. <laughs> My brain is breaking. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's not probably... F- not necessarily a fun, lighthearted conversation. But I don't know. It's I'm still having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and I'm wow. going to think about projection a lot. Yeah, I bet you are. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you see how we just had a conversation about projection? We didn't solve it. And oh, I'm going to no. forget a little bit about what we talked about. I'll edit this episode it. and then I'll listen to it and I'll still forget. Read the, be- read the book. It requires some vigilance and some oh. determination. I Can't. have one thing I want to read and I Please. remember, I just Please. remembered where I had it. Um, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually have a few of these. Okay. <laughs> uh, jealousy, possessiveness, insecurity, Fears of rejection, aban- oh, fears of rejection slash abandonment are all tied in with denial and projection. Oh, jealousy, possessiveness, mm. insecurity, mm. fears of rejection or abandonment are all tied in with denial and projection. Uh, Isn't that interesting? Yes, that those those things, and then a refusal to accept something in yourself, but allowing yourself to see in others or in someone else in particular. Oh, That's a refusal oh, to accept something in yourself, oh. and so you see it in someone else. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and and I keep, even in my head, I keep, my tendency is to want to, I'm, I'm really wanting to no, notice other people's projection, and I don't want to notice my own. Mm. <laughs> I keep mm. going like, oh, yeah, I see. You're I know projecting people do that. It. <laughs> you know, by projecting other people's projection. Inception. Oh, Inception. <laughs> ah, okay. Wow. Okay. I think those are our thoughts on projection. I don't think I want to overwhelm people it. anymore. So now you guys know, you understand it. You've <laughs> solved projection. Because you've listened to our podcast, you can Any tell psychologist people you're an and psychoanalysts and psychotherapists we do listening it? out there. Are we doing it right? <laughs> are we are we are we are we uh at least hinting at projection? Are we are we in the realm? We're not gonna get a perfect We're trying though. Yeah. Okay. Are we doing it justice? Is this dangerous? Is this a dangerous conversation? Ooh, I think it is. Yeah. But it's We're playing good. with fire here. I think it's good. Yeah. Okay. When we come back, you guys, Ruvenation. we've got a rivenation. Rivenation, get ready. And then we'll hear about thinking. Thinking. What is that? <laughs> Holy what cow. Is, that okay. is that to think. Yeah. Um, okay. Who's coming up with our thoughts? We'll catch you later. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
first heard uh, the theme, I immediately thought of this collection of poems called Chronic. I don't know why. Defense mechanism. Illness. Illness. Uh, but I think uh, that's what's interesting about defense mechanisms is our bodies have a way of not moving on. Right? They have a way of retaining things. And and I think that's 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 good. We should be more... Uh, attuned to that so so I think what sometimes is distressing about learning but unlearning or like even being aware of defense mechanisms is kind of like you know feeling this tension Mm -hmm. of you wanting to move on your body's being stubborn so the poem that I chose today by this poet uh, D.A. Powell whom I quite like. Um, it is a little bit about like tensions. It's, it, it, it plays around with, with time, with different timelines. And it has a great title. It's, I'm going to read it. It's called The Expiration Date on the World is Not Quite the Same as the Expiration Date on My Prophylactics. Oh. Oh. <laughs> wow. Do people know what prophylactic is? Should I explain? Sure. Should I tell... Prophylactic is something that prevents disease. So it, the, the title itself is almost like a poem. It's kind of like a joke that this thing that's supposed to prevent disease so to keep you healthy in the future has an expiration date. <laughs> um, yeah. Just before uh, reading the poem, I do want to <laughs> uh, highlight some words because D.A. Powell has a, has, a, has a tendency to use like funny words, like funny, obscure words out of nowhere. So these are words that, you know, were new to me when I first read this poem. If they're not for you, all the more power. Uh, (laughs) But uh, there's uh, this word, sinusure. Sinusure means the the center of attention. What's another word? Uh, well, this is less a word and more of like a technical term. Dramat- dramatis personae, which means the list of... If you read like a Shakespeare play, in the beginning, you, you get a dr- dramatis personae, which is a list of, of the characters who are going to be in the play. Uh, and again, this is also just a... Just kind of like a term. Uh, it's evidentiary hearing. So it's a legal term. And this is when... Uh, witnesses are, they don't have to be under oath, but they are kind of like called to kind of like, I don't know, witness, testimony, whatever. Yes. Give evidence. <laughs> Give evidence. Yeah. And this one, I think this is not that uh, obscure, but ephemerality. Don't know. You don't know what that is? Ephemeral means like fleeting. So ephemerality is the noun version of that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Okay. Ooh. Oh, and the uh, poetry corner, vocab, <laughs> vocab corner. Oh, and the last one, it's divot. Divot is that <laughs> piece of 
turf that flies off when you hit a golf ball. <laughs> I don't know if... Uh, golfers know that one. Yeah, yeah, golfers know that one. I am not a golfer. <laughs> I don't have enough money. <laughs> and I'm not white. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read uh, the poem. Again, I'm going to read the title again, just because it's great. The expiration date on the world is not quite the same as the expiration date on my prophylactic. <laughs> By D.A. Powell. Gone the steel span of that wrapped building. And another. One other. And crumb, scrap, fizzle. Art. You have that ephemerality I always wanted in a man until I got it. Kiss, kiss, firefly. You go out, bruise yellow. Then me, throwing out receipts, matchbooks, old phone numbers, or piles of napkins on which I'd written evidentiary hearing and other phrases to prosaic to keep your name a hundred names like yours could have been dramatis personae insofar as your presence is felt to me and the others. Lips can say anything, but first they say goodbye. That word, a kind of sinusure in this hourglass I call my life. Not altogether pleasant, not altogether unpleasant. Someday, the guidebooks will indicate the divot I test in, I rest in. But that's far off, isn't it? Let's pull out all the unused appliances, spread out our flanks upon the grim barge to oblivion, grind and churn. There's magma far below this placid surface. Tonight, it threatens to spout its stones up to the sky, heaving upon the shore, its furious outcry, scalding jelly. What to do when hot pebbles clobber us in the night? <laughs> a good last yeah, yeah I, I, I like this. Uh, this poem really makes me think about defense mechanisms as, you know, if you read this poem as like someone, I don't know, both kind of like having a tempestuous relationship with with someone, right? Um, like, you know, underneath, you can read it metaphorically. Underneath all of this placid surface, there's a world-ending eruption, Uh or you can also read it in terms of of just wanting to get rid of someone whose presence is 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 there all the time, right? He's um he's in your receipts and your matchbooks, old phone numbers, in all these like in your in the all these kind of like mundane documents in your everyday life. Um yeah, but there was like some kind of ambivalence about that. And if you read this as kind of your relationship between between you and your defense mechanisms, mm -hmm. right? It is kind of like that. 
it conceals a lot of things. It needs, I don't know, therapists <laughs> to, yeah, you need you need them to uh, to work work out these defense mechanisms. But also, like, they're all over the place. They're all over your body. They're all over your house. Like, your, right? You, I mean, have you ever thought about like how your ha- your room or your any place you inhabit is like a a reflection? <laughs> Of your, of your, I mean, it has to be, right? Your, of your issues. <laughs> Someone, I mean, actually, that's like how, if you kind of like read in 19th, like late 19th century, uh, emergence of like visual popular culture and a corresponding form, which is like a detective story. And the idea is that, you know, a detective is going to come to a scene, right? And... You know, the classic thesis about visual culture, about photography, is that it magnifies the everyday object, right? Like, you don't now paint, you don't have to, like, because it's quick. You take a picture, you reproduce it very quickly. Like, it doesn't take, like, what, like, years to do a painting, which, you know, before photography, at least in more kind of, like, Western canonical tradition, would be used to, like, honor royal subjects, right? But... So the idea is that now there is this attention to the mundane things. And that's what kind of enabled the emergence of detective fiction. Because the idea is that the detective comes and reads details in these, like, uh, reads meaning in these, like, small details. Right? (laughs) That's, like, I don't know how that's relevant. (laughs) It's relevant. (laughs) To... Well, we should try to be detectives of our own yeah. souls and psyches, right? Yeah. 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 Like, there's no, no small, small thing. thing. Yeah. No yeah. small thing or all small things lead to your psychosis. There you go. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> yes, Reuben. Yeah. Yes, Reuben. Well, even Reuben. that thing of like what we're talking about, it sounds like the repressed emotions that uh, defense mechanisms are trying to conceal will erupt. Mm-hmm. Like this image at the end of this poem, mm-hmm. and just spread a bunch of toxicity mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, right. They don't. They get displaced. It goes somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, I think it's. I don't know. Like, well, I'm not a therapist, but you know, people need their defense mechanisms, right? It's not a matter of just like getting rid of them. That's a good word. Sometimes they probably are keeping us alive a little bit, you know. So yeah. they're not all just necessarily bad uh they're they're probably sometimes problematic mm-hmm. that's a better way of saying yeah it. Who knows? or like uh, maybe like just before i sign off yeah <laughs> maybe defense mechanisms are like a kind of prophylactic in this poem oh, right yeah. they they're supposed to prevent something yeah and i think it becomes uh we become kind of more subjected to them when we think that this is going to keep us afloat forever mm-hmm. it's like Hey, there's an expiration date on your meds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Reuben, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. He nailed it. I'm gonna Thanks, Reuben. Oh, yeah. Well, Reuben's going to go have himself a well-earned glass of wine. He's an adult man. He's fist pumping. Yeah. Yep. He's, he's a he's, party hard. He's, he's going to go sip on wine and drink Pumping his fist as if at a rock concert. A party. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Okay. Uh, He's gone. Ruben's gone, everybody. After this nice musical interlude, Scott's going to tell us about thanking. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
We'll see what happens, everybody. Hopefully, it's interesting. I think it will. Did you think thinking was a defense mechanism? Because it is. I'm about to tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) When we come come back. back. (laughs) You guys, we haven't had reviews since December. We need your help. <laughs> if uh, you like us, hope you're enjoying this episode, everybody. <laughs> uh, and we're just taking a little break from the content to uh, to say, could you give us a rating and a review on iTunes? It helps people to know what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. The more ratings and reviews it has, as well as it puts us in an algorithm when people are searching for things, will pop up more. Yeah. So if you're enjoying it, it would be so helpful, and it's like. The fastest, easiest, quick and easy, quick and easy way to just support the podcast. Yeah, give us a little encouragement. Or if you hate the podcast, oh right, and have some thoughts. Yeah, give us a rating and review. Yeah, we'd be curious. Maybe not hate. Or, <laughs> it's a strong or, or, word. Yeah, or constructive feedback. You but, moderately uh, like us. We'd like to know that. But also, so we got some good advice about our logo on the ratings and reviews, and True. we also use the we use the ratings and reviews. In our episodes, we like to read the reviews. Yeah, so if you want to hear your name, get a shout yeah. out on the podcast. If you think that's fun, yeah. rate and review us. We'd really appreciate it. It's very helpful. We're talking about iTunes, folks. Head on over to iTunes. Just maybe pause the podcast. Just do it really quick and get it out of the way. Rating and review on iTunes. And if you can, think of a fun creative title. Yes. Well, hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Back to some more thoughts on defense mechanisms. Uh, okay. Here we are. We're going to talk about thinking. Thinking. What do you mean by thinking? Okay, this one, this one is, is, is probably my main defense mechanism. And now I'm relating to projection, and I, I can see how I could do it, and I've got a lot of thinking to do. You know, we, we can choose to think about these things. What if I just go about my business? I'm like, I don't want to think about that anymore. I guess I guess I'm we could curious how thinking practices. is going to relate to this. Uh, to what? Like defense you mechanism? being like, I'm going to go back and think about it. Oh, gosh, yeah, good point. <laughs> is that a defense mechanism? Ugh. This stuff is really trippy. Um, <laughs> now they say, they say in this book the the solution to this stuff is honesty, what you'd call honesty or candor hmm. or directness. Hmm. So I'll, I'll get into thinking in a second, but it seems that um, I wrote I wrote at the top. Do you, have you heard the term Occam's razor before? I've heard about o- Occam's razor is this philosophy that says the simplest explanation is often the right one. Hmm. So no need to invent a big elaborate thing about how this world was created. Big bang, you know, Hmm. now I'm not not advocating for the big bang. And also I think God and big bang could be synonymous. God can initiate the big bang. We're not getting into that, but like, (laughs) um, you know, there, that seems for a lot of people to be a nice, that's the, that's the easiest explanation is the big bang. Now other people could say God is an easier explanation. 
all that to say, if you're if 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 you're creating a big elaborate explanation or system of thoughts in your head, which I do all day every day, mm-hmm. it is the thing I do. You're probably in a defense mechanism spiral. <laughs> like the clearest one sentence answer is probably the right one. Hmm. Hmm. Um, oh, I hear you know, what you're saying. It was really interesting. I guess I'm giving a lot of preliminary <laughs> thoughts before I talk about this, but I'm a huge fan of The Wire. I would probably argue it's the best show ever made in the history of television. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yay. Yeah. Big opinion. Yeah. And it's not like a controversial opinion. I mean, a lot of people think that, but David Simon is the creator and he strikes me as a five. It's not a controversial thought. I'm sure there are so many people out there who would argue for different best shows of all time. No, no, it's kind of a, I mean, if, 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 if you want I will be looking this up. Do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you bring up the topic, what is the best show of all time? It will, it will come down to, to Breaking Bad and the Wire. I mean, hmm. very rarely will anything other, other than that, maybe the Sopranos will hmm. get added to the conversation. But um, all that to say, David <laughs> Simon created The Wire, and I was watching this thing this week on Netflix about uh, the 2000s, and hmm. just kind of recapping. They're, yeah, so they're back. <laughs> yeah. So David Simon, they show this interview when, they're, when they get into The Wire, and uh, they said um, people are calling it the greatest show on, of all time. Is that, is that flattering? He says, the greatest compliment you can pay me is that it was honest. Hmm. I don't hmm. care if it's the greatest show of all time or something like hmm. that. And he's just very deadpan and... Um, but that's a good answer. The wire seems to be the, the, whatever he was trying to do there. Like just, a, just be a straight shooter. Hmm. Just, hmm. just say the honest things. Yeah. And so Face when it. it, when it comes to our emotions and stuff, and there is a book called emotional intelligence that advocates for this is to say, I'm sad. Yeah. That's it. Stop thinking about it. Don't need a big explanation. Don't need to rationalize it. You don't sad. need to know exactly why. Yeah, just embrace it, feel <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, uh, so what yeah. is thinking? So, so well, let's divide thinking up into two, and we'll talk a little bit about it. But one is rationalization, so that helps under- us understand some things, mm-hmm. and the other is called intellectualization. And in Freud's fourteen original defense there. mechanisms, both of those are in there, okay. so they're in the core. Yeah, and I probably I think rationalization is probably the baby defense. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's the types of things where somebody would say like fudging on a commitment, like, hmm. like saying I'm giving up alcohol for Lent or something like that. We just started Lent everybody. Yeah. So if you said, well, let's say alcohol, say I gave up alcohol for Lent here comes the first day and, uh, you go, well, but today, because you know, I'm with my friends and I will give up alcohol, but, uh, you know, today, you know, it's like, okay, that's a rationalization, hmm. you know, hmm. or. You know, I'm going to be on time to visit my friend today, you know? Well, but, you know, this happened and then now this. So it's just, it's essentially, it sounds to me the way I understand it. It's like making excuses almost, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Um, And I have to even say, even as we're sitting here, I'm challenged by it because I like to think you could call it a rationalization, I suppose, to say that I don't like legalism. I, oh, I, I did tonight. Saying. I did to Macy tonight. I'll be there at eight. Actually, no, eight ten. Actually, eight thirty. I don't want us. I don't want to be shows up at eight forty five. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> be committed to a time. You know, I don't. First of all, I don't believe in time. But is that a rationalization? Yeah. How convenient for me that I don't believe in time, so I don't have to be on time anywhere. I don't have to honor anybody else's time. You yeah, know? yeah. That's an interesting yeah. way of thinking about it. It seems. Well, I'm hearing like 
I am guilty of procrastinating. And I think hand in hand, like we procrastinate and we allow ourselves to procrastinate for so long because we're wrapped up in rationalizing. But I'm painting right now. This is really important to me. You know, (laughs) and I think what I'm in danger of oftentimes is getting in terms of thinking hyper philosophical about it and and sounding very sophisticated and important in my rationalizations. Hmm. So I summon all my intellectual powers to come up with a really good reason why I just uh, didn't do what I said I was going to do. And you subconsciously probably feel good about all your rationalizations. You were like, oh, I made the right decision because of all. And then I can make other people seem dumb and beneath me. Hmm. And probably the biggest thing, and you see me do this all day, every day, and it's not, again, like even as I'm saying, these defense mechanisms are precious to us. Hmm. It's a, This precious. is like the ring. This is the precious. These have been with us from the day. These have defended us. Yeah. They have kept us safe as we're developing. For me to question to reality is my ultimate rationalization. What is? If somebody says, oh, you know, do the laundry. What oh. is laundry? Oh, that oh, somebody is your says, ultimate oh, defense I gotta mechanism. Put, uh, clothes in the... Why, why do I even need clean clothes? And, and oh, it's like, what is marriage? I, I All of a sudden, I'm beholden to a, another person. And so then a, because you're now in that space, yeah, now you're I sound not, so above it all, and I don't... I'm some sort of superhuman that doesn't have to come down. Oh, we down. are both guilty of this. Ah, it's bad. I've been feeling guilty all day <laughs> and and convicted. <laughs> I guess this is because thinking that way is precious to me. Hmm. You know, I I want thinking that way is precious to you. Yes, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I don't even want to give it up. I'm saying it right now. Yeah, it's like I can see it, it and you're fearful of what happens when you have to face the music. Mm -hmm. Almost, it definitely makes me feel superior. Hmm. It makes me feel special. It makes me feel like I the rules don't apply. Hmm. Now, I, I guess I would say to defend myself and Let's rationalize, <laughs> I would say I'd wish that for everybody. Let's all get out of all these rules we're creating for ourselves to a certain extent. But True, true. But we also live in this society. Yeah. So, I, I suppose you have to negotiate with the people in your relationship with. Yeah. You yeah. know, my wife, who is a nine, makes a lot of space for me, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but I like to think that if she was going to say, you know, if for this, you know, it is really important for our marriage for you to do the laundry. Mm, and mm-hmm. I need you to know that. I, I think that's when I probably should turn off that whole. Rationalizing. I- interesting. Well, here's why I don't do it. And here's why I'm bad at it. And here's why, you know, like. Mm, here's why I'm bad at it. Uh, oh, yeah. I can see myself in these modes of like, well, this is all the reasons why I shouldn't do this one thing mm-hmm. because this is blocking me and I would do a bad job at it and my inability to do this. And then instead of doing something, we just use all of that energy to rationalize. Yes. Oof. Yes. I mean, sub note, I don't even know if this is true, but in terms of rationalization, but it, it strikes me that perhaps sometimes my forgetfulness could be a defense mechanism of some kind. Mm-hmm. I am forgetful. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to have grace for myself because it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to describe my forgetfulness. It's very strange and it's pretty scary sometimes. Yeah. You, you can sometimes be relatively forgetful. This happened the other day. We, we have, we have some cleaning ladies that come to our house. It happened again. It always happens. This is the, my whole life always happens. Once a month. Here come, or here comes Irma. She's been coming to our house for 10 years. And, um, Marissa, every Tuesday, Lock, don't leave the door unlocked for Irma. 
It's it's a dilemma. So usually I'm I'm leaving the house by myself. Mm-hmm. But the other day we're all leaving together. So I'm I'm the last one out. Marissa three or four times said that morning, leave the door unlocked, leave the door unlocked. She's in the car. She's coming out with, I'm coming out with Avery. She's watching me from her car. Leave the door unlocked. Mm-hmm. Yep. I look at her. Yep. Turn around and I lock the door. And I come out and they're all looking at me. Marissa and the kids, what are you doing? And I'm like, what? We just said, leave the door unlocked. And I'm like, I just went on total autopilot. Hmm. When I leave the house, I lock the door. Hmm. You know, and I think I'm doing a good thing. I'm having to remind myself to lock the door, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, unlock the door. That's not really a defense mechanism, but I do. I do get weird and forgetful sometimes with that. Certainly. Yeah, I think we purposely I mean, that's probably repression and denial uh, factor as well. So many weird things. Yeah, and that's this is another part of defense mechanisms is it's it's not you're not acting on just one mm-hmm. you're acting on four at once oh yeah wow so projection it, rationalization it's all yeah, happening wow. denial <laughs> we're drowning i i suppose watch watch yourself this week everyone are you rationalizing are you're you explaining away as you're saying it, i can think of yeah. times i was rationalizing especially if somebody comes at you now look at it if somebody's coming at you, what a great moment. What a great moment for self-reflection and, hmm. and curiosity. Hmm. Um, what do you mean someone's coming at you? You didn't put the dishes away this week. Oh. I don't know why I'm coming up with chores. <laughs> you know, like, you were, mean, like- you were mean to me this week. Hmm. You were mean. What's your response going to be? No, I wasn't. Or here's all the reasons why here's why I was mean to you because I was having a bad day. Oh, I'm having a reflection of a moment (laughs) where I rationalize something. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard, isn't it? Yeah. I recently didn't like, it was not, it's not, well, here I go saying it's not a big deal. (laughs) Like it's, it's fine. (laughs) But I didn't, (laughs) <laughs> Someone was explaining how I potentially hurt a friend and I was like, oh, but this happened and this has happened and this happened. And this is why like they shouldn't feel hurt because these are what was happening with me. And it wow, was, see? I felt myself getting defensive, thinking. but thinking. It's, thinking, it's thinking, it's coming up with all the reasons. And then, and then it, I think the thinking, it makes you feel smart and yes. like you, oh, 100%. it makes you feel good about the negative thing this it somehow so gives you a complex than the, the last defense when we were talking about splitting and uh displacement what is it reaction formation reaction formation i wasn't having as big emotions and convictions on that one and I'm, I'm sure i do it but like this one i am like oh dang man. it dang yeah. it yeah oh duh yeah and, and i guess just being gracious with ourselves and humble honestly what you, you said something uh, in the last episode. You said uh, looking at yourself without judgment and without excuse. Yeah. Without judgment, without that's, excuse. That sounds just like a great antidote to a lot of these things. It's, that's an, not, an any a thought. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, lo- it allows yourself to look at yourself honestly without fear of judgment. You're know, like, it doesn't mean, just because you're going to be honest doesn't mean right. you're a bad person or you're like going going to be hurting yourself by admitting that you did something wrong. Yeah. Well, and even both of us, I think, have said multiple times tonight, I'm feeling guilty. Yeah. We probably, we even shouldn't that. be feeling guilty. Even that. We, in yeah, some right. sense, these defense mechanisms are Maybe both aware. a part of us, but also outside of ourselves. Yeah. They are not ourselves. Awareness so, is a better 
thought than guilt, probably. Yeah. I'm feeling more aware tonight. I'm feeling more wow, aware. Wow, that's interesting. I'm feeling more aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm able to see something I wasn't able to for my past. Yeah. Isn't that so fascinating how language today <laughs> can help us re-see our past that helps us in our future? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so okay. that's rationalization. Are we going to talk about intellectualization? intellectualization? No, that's let, me, let me try to word. read a little bit of this one because this one is a little bit more tricky. Can this I say a side daddy. note? I don't know if this yeah. book says this, yeah. but in I was listening to some guy, some doctor give a talk about all the defense mechanisms, and he said that this one is for the smartest people. Oh. That the smarter you are, usually you the more extreme it is. And that, like, people who this has become a part of, like, I don't know the correct word for it, but sometimes when your defense mechanisms are, like, kind of beyond normal, mm-hmm. they, like, create a, like, personality disorder. And oh. that it's people with high IQs that, like, this one is their, like, major downfall that, oh. like, makes their personality like abnormal. Well, I posted like, a chart. I'm on using our, really poor language. I, I posted a chart on our Instagram today, and and intellectualization was in this category called schizoid. And it's funny that my friend, who's actually a therapist, uh, got some pretty music going on in the house right now. <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> uh, it's like <laughs> it's violin music, uh, but. Um, he said that I have schizoid tendencies. Well, that's and the five thing. A, I, I, it's such a word you don't hear on a daily basis, but it kind of caused me to be defensive. Hmm. It's like schizoid. He's insulting me, but I was like, oh, it, this 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 particular one falls under the schizoid. And that's fascinating because Enneagram yeah. fives, the num- like when you look at like personality disorders, schizoid Gosh, and schizophrenia are linked uh, with fives. It's fine. Depression and bipolar disorder are linked with fours. It's really trippy. Really trippy. So, uh, let's... I mean, it's also not trippy. It makes sense. You are a five. It lines up. It would be be more weird if that wasn't true. Well, all this just sort of resonates. And it's interesting. Um, I think... I keep thinking I'm going to post this. And I hope I... I got my You have the power to do it. Well, no. Remember my cast of characters? I don't know where that is. Oh. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'll have to see if I can find it. But I made a video where I years ago before I even knew the Enneagram where I identified five characters inside myself. And it's interesting that um here in this little passage they talk about Spock. Hmm. In this in the video I made, I talked about Data, who is kind of the modern day version of Spock. He's like a, a robot character who is emotionless on hmm. Star Trek. And that's one of the ways I see myself. Hmm. Okay, so I'm actually going to read two paragraphs here just so we get this. Um, we're, go- we're moving on from rationalization to intellectualization. While, rationali- while rationalization as a defense mechanism offers explanations for specific facts that are more plausible than true, intellectualization seeks to keep the entire spectrum of disturbing emotions at bay. Oh. The entire spectrum. <laughs> the, entire, the former might be thought of as the occasional white lie that we tell ourselves. Hmm. The latter, an ongoing system that embodies a big ongoing lie. No disturbing emotion here, hmm. only dispassionate thought. Hmm. Ra- it's like completely being outside of your, yes. your emotions. Rationalization is a discrete occasional defense, whereas intellectualization pervades and defines one's entire character. Oh, oh boy. boy. <laughs> Sigmund Freud never used the word. I can see word. this. Yes. Intellectualization. 
This this whole podcast is probably intellectualization. <laughs> Sigmund Freud never used the word intellectualization, although he clearly understood that the intellectual process may be used for purposes of defense. His daughter, Anna Freud, devoted an entire chapter of her book, The Ego and the Mechanisms of Defense, to the subject of intellectualization at puberty. She believed that the increased intellectual, scientific, and philosophical interests of the period represent attempts at mastering the drives and the connected emotions, viewing such as an effort as relatively normal during adolescence. So then it's, the problem is when it just continues on into adulthood. Um, so... Yeah, there's some really interesting stuff here, but it's like a complete denial of all emotional experience and just like going into a space of facts and thinking and intellectualizing. Yeah. Now it sounds yeah okay. So 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 I hope everybody understands what we're talking about. I hope everybody understands some sort of working definition of intellectualization. And uh, here here's my interpretation: a soft interpretation, not a thorough interpretation is it's essentially this this uh, thing of really truly not wanting to experience an emotion and trying to give a get above it hmm. but what they're saying here is it's an entire system hmm. so it's not like it's like it's like you're sh- you have a big giant heady rational in quotes way of keeping the whole emotional spectrum suppressed Hmm. You know, hmm. it's not the rationalization was this one little thing like, oh, this is why I did that. This is what uh, yeah. this is just this thing's even bigger and and broader. This is who you are. Yes. This is like you you've are. developed yourself into this yes. that you any time that there is an emotion, it immediately gets sorted, put to the side mm-hmm. and you head into the headspace. Mm-hmm. It oh, made me really this. sad today thinking about it because. uh I, I just got in tune with how emotions seem so scary to me. Hmm. I believe in them. I think emotions are beautiful. Hmm. You mm-hmm. know, I, I read poetry or something Something gets my emotions going. I don't run away from it necessarily. Hmm. But when I've experienced real human emotions, I've often described the, the way I respond as a hot air balloon. Hmm. Even though I've never been a hot air balloon, I know what they are. But uh, <laughs> the first reaction is to rise up. Hmm. And to think about it, hmm. uh, and the the scarier, and I can have extreme empathy yeah. for myself. The more, the quickly I go, the quickly I just whoop. Yeah, it's like know. a different a different person. Yeah. So if if right here, if you were like Scott, I'm really mad at you right now. I I'd, I'd kind of start to rise in my head. I'd be like, okay, well, tell me more. And huh, interesting. And uh, but I'd be pretty present. But if you stood up on the table and started screaming at me and crying, you'd see me disappear. Hmm. I'd be like, oh. This is interesting. Oh, big emotions. Huh? Hmm. Well, uh, one reason you'd be thinking this, I would just, I wouldn't have the capacity to just be present with you. Like, oh my gosh, you're sad. This is so sad. Oh, I'm sad. You're making me sad. I'd be like. Gone. you. Well, I've experienced this on some level, even yeah. with you in the way of like sometimes like needing to know an answer when someone's feeling mm. emotional. Like, oh. let's let's figure it out. And it's like. Well, yeah, I, I I can't figure it out. Like we're not gonna sit know. here and figure it out. I don't want to figure it out. I just yeah, want to feel yeah, it. Yeah, you've seen that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're all uh, guilty of all of these things. But when it touches a nerve, it touches a nerve. I don't know if, like I said, like this feels or... this feels in line with 
so like these defense mechanisms, the reason why they link so much to the Enneagram is truly because both of them are touching at this idea of an ego development and creating yeah. a mask or a sense of self based around these defenses. So we are basically who we are is our defenses rather than ourself. Yeah. And so this one seems so formative in the character of the Enneagram five oh. almost like oh. who, who you are has become this like, I don't know. In a well, yeah. And, and then obviously all these, what we think about Enneagram is like, there's good, and beautiful elements and, and really toxic and bad elements. And you could say that the Enneagram five, um, loves to think or not loves even loves to think. It, it, it is habitually thinking. Yeah. Doesn't even say love. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it feels crazy and unstoppable, hmm, hmm. but, um, some interesting thoughts are going to come from that usually, hmm. but, um, you're also running from something, obviously. It also kind of goes to show of how defense mechanisms really do function so differently of like, for some people, if someone were to become really emotional, they would, instead of rising and becoming, you know, rational, would become super angry and like outrage. And so it's, it's not completely negative. It's not like, like they're all just different. We're all going to defend in a different way. If someone comes at us, this is just a way of defending. So it's easy to like pass judgment on this way of defending, but it's also like it's saved you and it's probably served you sometimes because this seems to be a, a more passive way of defending when something, uh, yeah, they crazy would say happens. the gift of the five is emotional non-attachment. Yeah. So I, I do think it can serve me well and serve others well, especially, and this is me just spitballing here, if you come to me with a big emotional crisis Yeah. and it's not about me and I can be like, oh, oh man, first of all, man, I, I'm so sad for you. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get like, why are you doing this? Or oh, I'm just going to get like, let's look at the situation here, you mm-hmm. know? But it, I think the most problematic over with my relationships over the years, if somebody comes to me with a personal problem, mm-hmm. I'm mad at you. And I'm like, my first reaction, I did this for probably 15 years. I'm like a recovering non-doing this. So Macy knows too, she's seen me. I have like a script in my head. You know, I can't trust myself, but I know what to, I know the things to say and what things true. not to say. You know, I was like, it seems like you're sad. <laughs> you know, I'll say these things. I notice the emotion. I don't judge it. I don't talk someone out of it. That sounds hard. You know, it must be, you must be having a really hard time right now. I have these things I say, but in the past I'd be like, I think it can still get you. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> I think sometimes you, you don't always go directly to those. No, stock no, no, phrases. no, no, no. When you I'm have in to my consciously work at it. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. You know, no, it's, my first impulse is to just say, well, why would you feel that? Yeah. Cause this, this, this. That's my that's my main mode of being. It's so fascinating. This is really interesting because I don't I don't know how much I relate to this one. Yeah. I think yeah. I kind this of do. This is probably the difference between a four and a five. Yeah, and this is where it's fascinating because I believe I have a relatively strong five wing, but I don't maybe this I will think about this and try and There were nights I think this was coming up for me too in the early days of marriage and my wife conks out at night. Like she just falls asleep. She mm. just um and there would be times where we'd be having an argument oh. and she would just fall asleep. And, and I understand it now. At the time, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I'm like, how can you just fall asleep in the middle of an argument? Well, she's a, not a night person. Defending she goes yourself. to sleep. 
Probably there's some a nine narcotiz narcotization. Yeah, something like that. That's the nine defense mechanism. Now, she would go to bed, and I would be in a state of extreme grief, alone, confused, sad, unresolved tension. And probably what I would have loved to do is just sit and cry. Hmm. But I would just pace around the house trying to get my mind around what happened. Hmm. Then this happened. Then she said this. And then this. And then I feel this because oh, this. It's and the racing thoughts. Why do thoughts. I feel that way? And, 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 I, and I think in my brain, I'm trying to get it controlled. I'm trying to contain it. Hmm. Trying to like, this, this emotion is going to kill me. I've got to figure it out. Hmm. And, I, and I'd wake up Marissa sometimes at this like em- I've got to figure out morning, this emotion. And I'd be like, I'm still up. And she'd be like, what do you mean you're still up? And I'm just sitting here. I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Hmm. Oh, yeah. You know. I can relate to that. Oh gosh. Runs are really healthy for me because hmm. it's it feels like um, it's if, if especially if I'm going through something hard. But no matter what I'm going through, runs are really great. But sometimes sometimes I'm having just free form fun thoughts, fun hmm. creative spacious thoughts. But if I am struggling with something and being emotional or having a hard time or, or stuck and I go running, especially on like a long run, like if I could do like 15 miles, so good for me. It starts it? off like I know I've done it <laughs> enough now to know that the first two or three miles is going to be like just mm, I'm so mad and, and then this and then this. And then after that, it'll just start to open up and I'll start to feel like the the physical energy is somehow releasing it all. Hmm. The tension hmm. is getting released. I don't have any energy for that because it's getting used for this. Hmm. And all that anxiety is getting spent yeah. on yeah. something productive and helpful. Oh, man. Some wisdom. Some going to run, everybody. If you're things learned along the way. It's hard. Yeah, that's interesting. Again, it cultivates cultivates empathy mm-hmm. the more we talk about these kinds of things because it's it's also easy to be when somebody maybe does this, be like when they start to intellectualize something, it's easy to be mad at that person. Yeah. But it's like that person's in their own world trying to figure they're out so why they're right disappearing from this world. And yet also their body's physically there, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then you're like, where happened to you? Yeah. And it's that's frustrating for both people. You mm-hmm. know, this is uh, the more we dive into these, the more it's like we're all doing these and then it's yeah. inter- intertwining. Yeah. It's all intertwining. It's we're all, we're all bumping into each other's defense mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Oh, duh. Yeah. I'm going to think about this one. I think, I think I'm probably more guilty of it than I'm putting off right now. <laughs> well, the, um, the, the thing guilty, that I said it again, guilty, not I'm, as aware as me. I'm before. probably not as aware. I, I am probably not as yeah. aware of how often I can do this. Now, the thing that's probably a little bit more, okay. I mean, I guess Enneagram, Maybe sometimes you can be overly indulgent of your emotions. A hundred percent. So this feels. Um, but my wife said that to me today. She she had a hard. I don't think she'd mind if I shared this. I'll ask her because I can edit. <laughs> but, um, had a hard day making copies, and she said she had to go home and cry. Mm-hmm. And I know, especially now that I've been married to Marissa long enough, that that's not a a crazy scary thing to her. But talk about projection. No. I would see her cry in the early days, and I'm like. The world is coming to an end. Oh. Because I would only do this if it was... Really the, terrible, uh, and you couldn't control I it. couldn't control it. Hmm. She's just letting herself cry. Yeah, yeah. It's probably sad, for sure, but, like, to me, you oh, only cry is in so healing. the biggest emergency possible. And so then <laughs> if you tie this into projection, 
I think sadly I've probably been very judgmental of people crying mm, being like, mm. Oh, you know, they have no control of their emotions and oh, I'm, like, interesting. I'm so sad. I'm trying to repress my emotions over here. You wish you could cry. I wish I could cry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I am here for a good cry. I don't, I don't feel out of touch with my emotions usually. Yeah. So this one doesn't feel super. I don't feel, I think that's one of the things I've read about five. I don't feel out of touch. I feel, I feel like I'm repressing them. I feel like oh. I know that it's there and I'm like, oh crap. No, no, no. Oh. That can't happen. Anger. No. Yeah. No. Uh, so anger, why? I for sure repress, but every other emotion yeah. I'm probably pretty indulgent in. Um, I mean, even this, and I mean, we're joking about this, but even this entire podcast, reading a book, why do I do that? Like, I'm trying to to get my head around all of this mm-hmm. so that I can just not. This so I can book master is feeding into your defense mechanism. Well, I'm 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 feeling I am feeling like my journey is a lot about letting myself be emotional and trusting that I'm not going to get judged for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I'm quite there. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm definitely at the point where I can this, this I wouldn't is, judge you. This sounds like a this sounds like a baby step to most people but it's a massive step to me. Uh, it, it's a it's really good for me to just say it. So that sounds like such a, a, a like unimpressive thing but if I can say these days I'm feeling really sad right now. Hmm. That's a big step for me. Hmm. Um what I'm probably wanting to do is start crying. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to do that, you know. Um or just say like um I feel lonely. Yeah. That's that's a hard one for me because I, I sort of have this whole posture, which is mostly true, but oh. a stance of like... I can relate to that. I don't I feel don't. lonely very often, but it's really awkward but for when me to you admit do, when I do. Yeah. When you, well, that, that I can really relate to because I would agree. I like to be alone, yeah. but I don't often feel lonely. But when I do feel lonely, it's terrifying because it's like, I normally love this aloneness. Yeah. And then how do you What's say happening? And how do you say that? Hey, I'm feeling lonely. That's sad. Oh, I thought you didn't feel lonely. Yeah. That's what I'm afraid somebody's going to say. Mm-hmm. Well, now we know. <laughs> Mr. Introvert over there, I thought you didn't need people in your life. You it's know? like, well, well I do I'm still human. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, man. Woo-wee, I'm feeling emotional mechanisms. talking about it. Okay, you can cry right now if you would <laughs> no. like on the podcast. This would be a public, a nice no. healing moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, is there more to say about thinking? There's always more. There's always more to say. The but irony of that. <laughs> this has been yeah. an interesting episode, everyone. We're going to do a quick closing. A quick closing right here? No. We're going to come back? I think so. Okay, let's do it. I think so. Okay. Uh, that That's the end of thinking. Think about it. Think about it, everybody. <laughs> uh, well, honestly, oh, you know what? Honestly, let me re- read this. We were about to go for Rewind. a break. But I remember this being very helpful to me because he has some um, what to do about this at the end. Some tips. These are exercises. So if you were a little bit like me and this resonated with you during this little segment, and you're like, well, what do I do about this? Uh, these are just exercises, so it's not like going to solve it. But he, these are some things you could do. He says, "Helpful. Set aside an hour and uh, set aside half an hour and pay attention to your internal thought process. In other words, take note of what you are thinking as you think it. The goal here a is half hour is lofty. Lofty goal. The goal here is merely to become a conscious observer, a conscious self-observer. Are your thoughts primarily verbal? To what degree does your thinking resemble a kind of internal monologue? Hmm. Now, isn't this interesting? It's what a similar thing with the that? Enneagram. Is like I thought, isn't this everybody? Okay. Like, <laughs> I have a quick question <laughs> okay, that's yeah, kind yeah. of unrelated. How often do you like 
do you ever talk through a conversation before it's going to happen? And oh, think yeah, of, all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just a quick yeah. <laughs> do you feel as if you have control over the mental flow of words? Can you start and stop it when you want or focus it whenever you'd like? Now strive for uh-huh. mental quiet. That is, see whether you can silence the thought words. Shift your attention into your body. This was challenging to me. Yeah. That is the thing. It's like coming down from the hot air balloon. How it do you like ground so yourself? It's so dangerous to shift the attention to my body and my heart. Hmm. It sounds so safe to hmm. stay up in the head. Shift your emo- attention so into your body to the place. Because what is your head? What what safety is your head actually Hon- providing? Honestly, like, it's not. Actually That's the lie. None. It's the it's, lie, and it's a habit. Yeah. You know, I think I'm safe up there. <sighs> Shift your attention into your body to the places where you might register emotion: face, belly, throat. I can relate torso. to this. Oh. How long can you last before the thoughts start up again? Did you notice any specific bodily sensations during the silence? Were they uncomfortable? That's the first one. I won't go through all of them. He has eight. But uh, the second is, on a day when you don't have any commitments, undertake a short fast. Say, skip a meal or two without snacks. Allow yourself nothing but water or juice, and then watch carefully as hunger begins to mount. Do you try to rationalize breaking the fast? Do you make perfectly reasonable excuses for yourself to eat? That's a good way to catch your rationalization, I guess. Hmm. Um, But I'll read one of the later things because I think they get a little bit more rigorous as you go. Do you place a high value on your intelligence or take special pride in being especially articulate? So that's the sixth one. He says, how do you feel about people less intelligent or articulate than you are? Yikes. Do you remember any times when you came across as inarticulate or unable to think clearly in the heat of a moment? (sighs) How did you feel as a result of that experience? Biggest shame ever. (laughs) Have you ever deliberately tried to make someone look foolish or stupid because the person held an opinion that differed from your own? In as much detail as possible, describe your feelings for that person and his or her views. Uh Uh-oh. Gotta get real. Now try to put yourself in that person's shoes. Exercise your imagination and try to feel into that person's experience, making his or her emotions your own. If you can feel his or her sense of shame or humiliation, it might help you understand the feelings you're trying to ward off. Oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) Some tips. Okay, we can take a break now. We'll come back with some closing thoughts. Have a breather with this team. (laughs) Have a breather. We're we're back and this is just a, a closeout, a little closeout from a, a up and down episode. Emotions. Emotions. Thank you so much for coming alongside us in our defense mechanism journey with no small thing. Where I think the more I'll speak for myself, I've been diving into them, the more I'm like, yeah, this is mm-hmm. no small thing. No, it's hard work too. It's hard work. And to prep for this, we've had to, you know, kind of quote unquote study or deep dive and it's fun but also hard and I also think that the study and the deep dive continues as it's like okay you now have to not put them into practice but hopefully the information doesn't just completely 
go past well, then you. It's, it's what we said about the Enneagram. Then the work begins. You, can, work you begins. can learn this stuff and know it. But like now, now, next time I'm feeling like intellectualizing something, I have to let myself feel the emotion. That's a practice. Yeah, it's a practice. I like to think that I can get better at it. Well, and it's interesting because you're also going to, you're going to keep doing all of these oh, yeah. things. It's oh, yeah. like we're going to so we catch ourselves know. one in a thousand times, yeah. and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep doing those things. Maybe it's a really, uh, I don't know, an evolved, profound, deep, caring, trusting relationship to give each other permission to, you know, it sounds too too harsh to, to talk about, like, calling each other out. Right. I want to call you out on your defense mechanisms. To help us become aware. To, to see them. draw attention to it. To, you know, like I, I would want those significant people in my life to know that they could help me see it. Because mm-hmm. I yeah. need help. We all need help. We need help. This is, this is something outside of just ourself. Yeah. Um, and that's man, why we need to do things like read these books and study from these people because... For some reason, if, I said, if you told me I was splitting, I'd be like, oh, I'd be so intrigued. What hmm. do you mean? Tell me. Help me. Yeah, like but right now it seems like you're splitting. Yeah, but if you said, oh, you're doing that thing, intellectualizing. You would uh, feel I'd be shame. so defensive. Because hmm. I, I do think it's, it's, it's something I identify as part of who I am and what makes me me. And, and honestly, sometimes maybe even what I perceive to be what makes me likable. So if you're even, if I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, I, well, here I'm kind of spouting off. And you're like, mm. hey, you're doing that thing maybe intellectualizing. I'm like, like, oh, I thought you liked that. It's going to be really embarrassing and painful for me to admit it. Yeah. I think it's, oh gosh, this is whatever is like making you probably feel embarrassed or feels the worst. Threatening. Is probably what you need to lean into more of Mm. trying to see. Mm. That doesn't feel comfortable. <laughs> I, this is this is the thing. Defense that mechanisms, they're like an armor that we go through the world in. Mm-hmm. And we have to like take off the armor because it's hard to run and move and be free in the armor. But And so when you take it off, you're unprotected in a sense, but you're freer to be yourself. You're not covered up. You're freer to be human. Be you human. know, which is experiencing emotion, which is vulnerability. So people can see you. People mm-hmm. can see you as a human, and you can see others and experience others. Yeah, I, I'm not talking from experience here. I'm talking from <laughs> the yeah. mind. The mind. Conceptually, yeah. no. I mean, obviously, I've had times in my life where I've had human <laughs> contact with people. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's more layers and. Levels that I haven't experienced yet, but yeah. Oh, there's always more layers. Mm-hmm. So as we conclude, as we conclude, just sending T's and P's, thoughts and prayers your way, <laughs> all of our ways, <laughs> as we traverse this kind of wild world with wild defense mechanisms. Be gentle with yourself. Be and gentle with yourself and with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then if you can think of, I would say encouragement. If you can find a few people around you who feel willing to observe mm-hmm. your behaviors and maybe point things out. That's cool. Yeah. And could that be helpful. Cool. That is cool. Um, okay. Any final thoughts from you? I think one, there, there's something, there's a quote that gets passed around just in the same vein that says something along the lines of tread lightly. Everyone's fighting a great battle. Hmm. You hmm. Know? Um, so that's just another way of thinking about it too. Yeah. Okay. You're going to read your like, 
have a, a real short blessing. It comes from A Course in Miracles. Highly suggest this course. Ooh, is it a, is it a red Highly light? Suggest? A green light? Is it a green light? You know, I'm not... Do lights on this? <laughs> I'll come back with if it's a highly suggested in like three weeks. Okay, okay. Okay. Here we are. Hear this benediction. Mm. As you close your eyes, sink into stillness. Let these periods of rest and respite reassure your mind that all its frantic fantasies were but the dreams of fever that has passed away. Let it be still and thankfully accept its healing. No more fearful dreams will come now that you rest in God. <laughs>